let me just say this. Any doctrine or any kind of a religion that removes Jesus as deity is false, okay? Christ Jesus is Lord, amen? He is deity. The Bible says that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. And in verse 14 he said, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld His glory. I was reading in Scripture yesterday in Hebrews and I know that God, is, that Christ is the Lord, but He's also God in the flesh. And so I can tell you that God is doing a work in this family. He started the work in Jesse. He's done a work in his mama. Amen. And now he's doing a work in his sister. Something has to break. That false has to break. Religion has to break. Amen. Addictions have to break. And when the Holy Ghost shows up and the real Spirit of God shows up, that light is going to begin to expose the darkness. So don't be alarmed. Let God begin to do a work and know that what he's done in everyone, he can do in us too. Amen? Or he already has. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord this morning. I want you to turn with me to the book, amen, of Hebrew. Turn to chapter, uh, chapter 4. I'm going to get right into this. And uh, we're going to see God speak to us this morning. I'm sorry. Uh, I want you to turn with me to, yes, Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. I don't know why I put Exodus there, but you know that I've studied the Word of God. Or I wouldn't know. <laughs> but uh, Hebrews chapter 3, I want to read a short portion of Scripture, and then we'll get right into the Word. Amen? Are you happy this morning in Jesus? Praise the Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. In, he in, in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7, it says this, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost says today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke. Howbeit, not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. I can tell you, Joshua and Caleb made it in. <laughs> Amen. But he said, for some, when they had heard, did provoke. Howbeit, not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. But with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest? But to them that believed not. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Lest, let us, he says, and this is my golden text this morning. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith, and in them that heard it. 
Father, we ask you today to begin to bring, I pray, Lord, the word of God right before us, Lord, minister to our hearts, talk to us, God, and speak to me and through me, God, and surface your perfect uh, will, God, and your word, and let it come up and rise up within me. We bind the enemy. We plead the blood of Jesus, and we pray, God, your perfect will would be done. Help me today, God. Help me to preach. Help me to minister. And God, we'll give you all the glory and honor. In Jesus' name, we ask you, and we thank you and praise you. Amen and amen. Now, I'm preaching a message this morning entitled, Faith Mixed with the Promise. Preaching a message, Faith Mixed with with the promise. I woke up yesterday and the Lord told me to read Hebrews. Hebrews became so fascinating to me yesterday as the Holy Ghost began to bring it into focus and color. God knows how to bring the Word of God clearly in color and focus to you and I today. Amen. He knows how to re reveal Himself through His Word. If you study Hebrews, you know that Hebrews is the letter to the Hebrews, to the Jews, converted Jews. And that, I believe Paul was the author of Hebrews, but that had... They, they were Jews or Hebrews that had come to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. They'd come to believe the word of God. And they were either weak or in their faith or they were on their way to abandoning or apostatizing from the gospel. And so Paul writes this letter to the Hebrews to tell them and shore up their faith and encourage them. And he speaks a lot of doctrinal things and a lot of, of Old Testament things unto them because that was his audience, amen? That was his audience. So Paul sets out to break everything down in Hebrews so they could understand how Christ was the sum total of, of fulfillment or sum total or fulfillment of everything that he, they had known or they had taught. He starts out in chapter 1. Now stay here with me because I'm building a foundation here to get to somewhere. But he starts out in chapter 1 with the deity of Christ, that he is God. There's scriptures. You can read it on your own time. But clearly you read in Hebrews 1 that Jesus is God in the flesh. The 8th verse will tell you that alone. But then how Christ is superior to angels in chapter 2. He's superior superior to Moses. He is superior to Aaron's priesthood, even greater than the order of Melchizedek, the old ancient priest, high priest. That is, and also that his sacrifice, the sacrifice of Christ, was superior to animal sacrifices, that they just did a temporary band-aid, but Jesus' blood purchased for us and redeemed us out of our sin and our soul, and it's a forever sacrifice, amen, once and for all. And these are just things that you're reading about in Hebrews. And then he goes into the heroes of the faith. And he talks about how we're to conduct ourselves and how we are to lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. And we see this cloud of witnesses. Let us run this race as they ran the race. But this time, not look into an Arianic priesthood, not look into angels, not look into Melchizedek, not look into Moses, not look into an, a sacrifice that didn't last but look unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith he's the God who starts it he's the God who finishes it amen so he's going on and telling us about this and this is what you read about in Hebrews I capsulized it in five minutes for you he goes on to say how his sacrifice was once and for all accepted by God 
Christ Jesus was accepted by God. Not only finished, but he was approved and accepted by God the Father. How do you know that, Pastor? Because he rose from the grave. Well, that was weak. He rose from the grave. Oh, let me just give you two tidbits of Scripture. I don't have a ton of scriptures this morning, but in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 10 and 2, this is what it says. Hebrews 10, verse 10 says, By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. And then in verse 12, in one of my most favorite scriptures, besides Roman, Romans 1, 16 and 17, but Hebrews 10, 12, and I quote it all the time, it says, But this man, Christ, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. He is seated at the throne room. Do you hear me? He's seated, so he's God in the flesh. He came to this earth shed his blood or surrendered his life on a cross. Nobody took it from him. He laid down his life and he purchased you and I soul back. Amen. He purchased us back, gave us the Holy Ghost that confirms and witnesses in our heart that God is real, that he's of a truth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You say, oh, I see my sister up here and she's dancing. She's acting like a nut. You know why? Because she felt God for the first time. She knows God's alive. She knows God's real. She felt his presence. And that's just the beginning. So shout on, sister. Dance on. Praise on. Because a year ago she wasn't feeling that way. Six months ago she wasn't feeling that way. But God has revealed himself. And he said, I gave you a witness down deep in your spirit. Jesus rose from the grave. That is proof that God accepted his sacrifice. It's very important that we hear that and we know that. In fact, that was the basis and the premise of all New Testament preaching, including what Paul said in Romans, it's focus upon the resurrection. Yes, he died, but none of that matters if he didn't raise from the dead. But the, but the, the, the catalyst, the foundation, the basis of our salvation is based upon this. Amen. Not that he just died for us, but that he arose. So we died with him and we live with him. And that was in Acts 17, 29 through 31, the, the, the crux, if you will, of New Testament book of Acts preaching. In verse 29 of Acts 17, he said, For as much then as we are the offspring of God... We are the offspring of God. We ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone or graven by art and man's device. That's why I don't ever, would never have a figurine or a picture or any graven image of Jesus in my house or in my, on my possession because he's not a graven image. He's not that Jesus in a picture that people go, oh, I go over and I lay my hand and I pray to Jesus. No, that's not Jesus. I can tell you that's a graven image. That's one of the Ten Commandments. You must not pray. So get rid of your, your, your little figurines. Get rid of all of that stuff. I had a woman one time, she came, and she said, I got a little angel out there. I prayed to that angel. I said, nope, that's idolatry. 
That's idolatry. Don't pray to no angel. Don't pray to Mary. Don't pray to a, an idol. Don't pray to a graven image. Don't pray to a crystal. Ain't no Christian horoscope. Doesn't exist. It's all diabolical. I don't care what you think or say. Throw it out. It's demonic. Oh, pastor. No, no, pastor me. I'm telling you right now. We prayed over people and they manifested because they were involved in witchcraft. You mix that with religion, you got an even deeper problem. Come on now. And throughout the chapter of, of Hebrews, there is a central theme and it's faith, 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 faith. It's all there. The gift of faith in Christ. The finished work of the cross. And the work of the cross comes with the Holy Ghost witness. As I said, Jesus said, when I'm gone, you will receive the promise of the Father. That was what he said. Go to the upper room, tarry there until you be endued with power. And he said, you're going to come down from there. And signs and wonders are going to follow them that believe. That's not craziness. That's not strangeness. That's nothing but God moving. Amen. That's how you know he's in the midst. Because chains are broken. Methamphetamine addicts are delivered. Cigarette addiction's broken. Pot and alcohol and everything else is broken. Anything that has you bound, I can tell you God sets you free. <laughs> Glory to God. But he, he speaks of the, the, the Holy Ghost witness, which is a promise of the Father. Now coming back to our text, in chapter 3 and chapter 4, we see how the writer of Hebrews speaks about this faith and promise. He gives the example of the children of Israel and how they did not make it into the promised land rest. They didn't make it into the promised land rest. Only two did of the original. Now their children made it into the promised land, but those that originally came out of Egypt for 40 years... We're in that wilderness and they died in that wilderness. They never entered into the rest that God once wanted them to have. We are an example of that. We are in a wilderness or we're in a promised land in our experience. Did you hear me? We're either going to be in a wilderness or we're going to be in a promised land. Yes, God met them in the wilderness. But he said, I want to bless you more in the promised land. So he gives that example, and I really studied this out. How do you know the promised land is, is not heaven, Pastor? It talks about how it's heaven. We've been taught that. I believe that it is in type like a heaven or, or, or heaven as a type. But it's also, I believe, more so than even that. It's our experience in God here. What makes you say that? Because I know the Canaan land represents eternity in a sense. But listen to me. In type it does. But it represents a rest that we can and should possess in Christ right now. How many times does he say today? Today. That means you're right now. You're now that you're living in can be victorious. In type. It does represent heaven, but it represents a rest. Remember that. A rest that we can and should possess in Christ right now. What is your reasoning that you would be led to believe that the promised land is not 
heaven when he's talking about this. First of all, because I don't read anywhere in the Bible where there's giants in heaven. Ain't no giants in heaven. Ain't no devil in heaven. Ain't no enemy in heaven. No, in fact, the Bible talks about how that, that, that it's a beautiful place. It's a place of paradise. It's a place of the garden. It's a place where the streets are gold and the walls are jasper and, you know, the sun is the light. There's a crystal river. There's praise and worship all the time. People that don't want to worship God and don't love God, I can tell you, you're not going to be in heaven if you don't want to worship Him here. Those that love Him are going to be there. Those that have a relationship with him are going to be there those that want to worship him are going to be there not people that you know don't want to enter into that and really truly surrender their everythings heaven is fitted for people that want to be there that's why when they start catering everything to what people want in the church it's wrong because it's not about you and I being and fitting into them fitting into what we want this isn't consumerism. You don't market to, to bring people into the house of God. If the Holy Ghost doesn't draw you and keep you, then it's some other spirit. I want to come into his rest. Come on. So there's no giants in heaven, no battles to be fought, no enemy, no fighting, no sorrow, no pain, no labor, just worship. I believe you're going to be able to go over and just pluck fruit right off of those trees and just eat it right there. Praise God. It's going to be able to eat it. Ain't going to be no seeds in it. Ain't going to be nothing. Just eat the whole thing. <sighs> oh, the promised land rest is a life in Christ in grace and the Holy Ghost right here and right now. In verse 7 of Hebrews uh, 4. A three, I'm sorry, rather. Let me get there. Let me catch my breath. Amen. Praise the Lord. He said in verse 7 of chapter 3, He said, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost say, says, or saith, Today, if you will hear His voice. Today. He says that in another place. In fact, several other places. Remember when Jesus stood up, in the synagogue in, in Luke chapter 4. And he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He's called me to preach and minister under an anointing to open blinded eyes, to set the captive free. And he said to preach the, the acceptable year of the Lord. And he said, today this has been spoken and fulfilled in, your, in front of you, in your eyes and in your life. Today. In other words, today is your day of salvation. Today is your day of freedom. Today is your day of breakthrough. Today is your day where you can come into rest and make a decision for God. Today, if you'll hear His voice, don't harden your hearts like your fathers did. Don't tempt God. Don't grieve God. Don't err in your heart. Don't let there be an evil heart of unbelief causing you to depart from the living God. That's everything he said there from the 8th verse all the way down to the 12th verse in chapter 3 of Hebrews. But in verse 13 he says, exhort one another while it is called today. I don't want to hear people talk to me about God. I said you will one day. 
you know, I don't watch a lot of videos and stuff on TikTok or YouTube and stuff. I used to. I don't anymore because it's addicting. Sometimes I think it's more addicting than cigarettes or some other kind of vice. Amen. Y'all are quiet, but you know I'm telling you the truth. Amen. You sit there and two and a half hours later, you're like, oh, my goodness, I've been sitting here. Come on now. Amen. I didn't have to cut out my Tetris. Sit there and play that stupid game. Amen. That's the only one I know. I can't even figure out how to put anything else on there. Just that one. I just go there and, you know, the brain game or whatever that is, and I'm doing that. And I thought, Lord, if I can do this, I can, I can read my word. I can do a lot of things that I would put in place of that. Don't look at me like, oh, pastor, you know, you need to be in the word. I promise you I've been in the word. Okay? I'm just telling you we all have things that we need to shed. But getting back to this, today, today, I was reading or watching a, a, a Christian man that was speaking to some kind of celebrity. And he said, well, I'll believe God the day I see him. He said, the day you see him, you might not want to see him. Because it may be when you cross over into the next life and you're standing before God and he's judging you. And the celebrity said, wow, I never thought about that. Yeah, I said, load that gospel gun. Dangle him over hell for just a minute. Because in this life, you think, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go on forever. It's not. Guess one thing I've learned? Everybody dies. So far, unless Jesus takes us up in a rapture, everybody gets to a certain age or something happens catastrophic in their life or they, they pass. There's not been a person, unless they're still living today, everybody's going to go through that portal of death. Some are going to go in faith. Some are going to go and they're going to meet judgment. I hope it's not you. He's saying today is your day. Today is your opportunity. Amen. Some of you said, I just want to go hear the preacher preach. He's preaching to you. He's preaching to you. Are you listening today? But he said, exhort one another. Praise the Lord. Exhort one another while it is called today. Lest any be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Verse 14. For we are made partakers of Christ if. Did you read that? If. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. That right there throws out eternal security. Forget it. You and I have to. This thing starts in faith and it ends in faith. If it wasn't required that we need to end this life in faith, real faith, Paul would have said, you know, I, I, I come into faith. But he didn't. He said, I kept the faith. Reason I've got a, a crown of righteousness awaiting me in glory is because I kept the faith. And it was a long journey. I fought a lot of fights. I ran this race and I fought a good fight of faith. And I kept that faith. Nothing caused me to lose that faith. But I started in faith and I ended in faith. And that is what it takes, church. That is what he's preaching in Hebrews. It's all there. You don't have to, you know, try to candy coat it. But it, that word if is a huge big hinge that a lot of things swing on. If we hold fast the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end, we're made partakers of Christ. In verse 16, we know because Caleb and Joshua made it in, but there were a lot 
That whole original bunch died in the wilderness. They never experienced coming into that promised land experience. But the ones who failed to believe could not enter in because of unbelief. That's what he said in verse 19. So he exhorts us in the scripture. And he says in verses 1 and 2, Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left of us entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. The word must be mixed with faith in us, or we will miss the promise. I don't know, or I know some maybe are not quite picking up what I'm putting down, but the rest that he's talking about, the rest, the spiritual rest is an empowered life. It is an empowered life. It's living out the promise of the land of Canaan. It wasn't without its giants. They had to deal with them. It wasn't without its nations that had to be conquered. Every one of those nations represents something. The Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the, all of them, the Jebusites. Every one of them represents something. And people say, well, I don't know why God allowed Israel to mow down all of those people. 435 years they were in false pagan doctrine, or uh, religion rather. They were in paganism. And I can tell you, God is a God that will judge. And he even judged Israel times throughout the Bible when they turned from him. But he made his covenant with Abraham. That's the, that's the Jewish people, the Hebrew people. But going back to this, the rest is an empowered life. It's living out the promise of the land of Canaan. It's a large land flowing with milk and honey. And it shouts to you and I God's provision, spiritual provision, His blessing of fertility and abundance. Why do you say fertility? Because milk is only brought about as some kind of a mammal produces it because they're bringing forth life. And honey, honey, think about it. Milk is made by an act of God and honey is made by an act of God. He said, you're going to come into that promised land by the power of the Spirit of God, just like our sister said this morning. God said, you can't do it on your own, but I can do it through you. I said years ago, God, I can't live this life. He said, you're absolutely right. That's why you need me. That's why you need grace. That's why you need the Holy Ghost. But he said, I put something down deep within you that drives you and pulls you and woos you and draws you closer to me. I put a desire for righteousness and holiness. That's why you're here this morning. That's why you've said down deep in your spirit, you know, there's a lot of places I could go this morning, but I want to go over there to new life because there's something, amen, there's something there. Can you at least admit that this morning? There's something here in this house. There's something powerful in this house. There's something powerful. It's an awesome thing. 
when you let God begin to do that work in and through you. And it's not some kind of, of, of just lay down, you know, experience. No, we come. God empowers us to choose. Let me just share something with you. Somebody did something to me yesterday. I'm not going to tell you who or what, but they did something. And when I went to bed last night, I laid in my bed and I, I was laying there and I just began to feel anger and resentment and all these thoughts come up. Now, every one of us goes through that. Amen. I felt all of these feelings and emotions begin to creep up in me. And I said, Lord, I can sit here and I can stew on this. I can marinate upon all of this that I'm feeling. I said, or I can plead the blood over my mind and I can bind the enemy right now. And I said, devil, you're not going to take over my mind. You're not going to get me so troubled and stirred and so, you know, uh, with chaos and strife in my spirit that when I get up in the morning, I'm not going to want to go to the church and preach. I bind you at 1.57 a.m. in the morning and you're not going to destroy my life. Get out of my mind. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I am telling you the God's honest truth. That thing just went Because you know how you get something in your mind and you can't go to sleep? I thought, well, I can't get up in the morning and not be on my A game. At least in my physical body. I got to have rest. That thing lifted and left. So the next time you're struggling with a lust, begin to bind the enemy. It's a whole lot easier, amen, to bind the enemy and plead the blood than to have to pray through the mess after you get involved in it. Come on. It's a whole lot easier. Come on. Than to say, I bind you, devil. I'm not going to let you take over my mind. You've empowered me, God. And by your spirit, I'm going to overcome. You said in your word, sin shall not have dominion over me. And so I'm taking authority over this. And I plead the blood over my mind. I'm preaching to you truth. I'm preaching to you an experience I know and I'm living in. Come on. And it lifted and left. So when you're dealing with the lust or you're dealing with, you say, I'm going to stop drinking. I, I just feel like I need to stop drinking. Well, if you don't have Jesus, you're going to go back to it. And if you think it's okay to drink, then you really got a problem. Oh, pastor, I'm going to tell you something. All it takes is one, and then there's another one, and then there's another one, and then there's another one. Every person I've ever talked to, I said, how did you get cooked on all these drugs? Well, it started as a teenager. I had a cousin that gave me a little wine. God, then the gateway was kicked open, and from there on, the rest is history. And then God, you come in because your life's a mess, and God has to unravel all that and heal it and break every stronghold, and he does. But you'd be so much better off if you never started in the first place. He wants you to live in the promised land. He wants you to live in the promised land. I shared with myself, amen. I was dwelling on it the other day. I thought, Lord, some of these kids and some of these people, the things that, you know, that took place in their life, you know, 
and we prayed and they got delivered and Lord is just moving in our midst. It's so awesome. I said, you know, I, I just thank God that that's not my case. You know, I, I'm not bragging. I'm just saying thank God that I didn't have to go through five or ten years of that to come to the place where, you know, I'm free. Or, and he said, it's because you got saved at 17. See, you surrendered your heart and life to Jesus and at 17 you gave it to him and you surrendered it to him. Didn't mean the devil didn't come back and try to, you know, try to pull you back and tempt you. He said, didn't mean that you never fell or you never gave into a yield, yielding to a lust or yielding to something. He said, but you served me. You've had the spirit of God. You've had the power of God. You've had the word of God. You had faith mixed with the promise in you that said you can live. You don't have to be bound by that. He said, so you don't have a life history of the things that people went through. It's a whole lot easier not even to open up the door. And if you're saved, it's a whole lot better to just say, devil, I bind you. You're not going to take authority over my mind. I take authority over you. Oh, but it's a grasshopper, Pastor. I'm going to tell you. I can tell you I don't care what they look like. I don't care if it's a giant. God knows how to take a giant down with a stone. <laughs> Amen. He knows how to take a nine foot six giant down with a stone. There's nothing that God cannot do. Oh, I'm getting ready to preach it to you. We're just getting started. Oh, come on now. The best is yet to come. My God in heaven, thank you, Lord. The land flown with milk and honey shouts God's blessing of fertility and abundance. Milk and, and honey are an act that is made by God. So you will come into that promised land with the power of the Spirit and overcome by His power and His grace. Well, isn't discipline important? Discipline can be a benefit and blessing to you. But it's not your be-all, end-all. I think, I know people that discipline themselves rather than come and let God do it, they're more frustrated than the people that are fighting under grace or fighting in the midst in the Holy Spirit. In faith, I meant to say, not grace, but in faith. The joys of salvation are possible by God's grace in that promised land. Too many believers are like the ten spies that carried the great clusters but never got to enjoy them or enter into the possession. Can you imagine being in a church where the Spirit of God is moving and you didn't enter into it. You heard it, you saw it, but you never partook of it. Some people say, I'm just going to sit back here, amen. You know, I was thinking about Alina. I, I, I hope I'm saying it right, Alina. Well, you know, I, I'm from Missouri, it's Eileen, amen. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> but we see her sitting here, okay? But I remember, and she's not here today, but Crystal's mother, okay, everybody knows Ruth, <laughs> Amen. Ruth, I'm telling you, you, you say she still shouts and says glory, glory and all that. I know, but you, 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 you probably weren't here when she first came here. Amen. She, 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 just, she just very, very, I don't like to use the word demonstrative, but that's the only word I can use, just very animated and worships God. But there was a time when she sat at the back of the church and she saw people up there shouting and dancing. She said, I'll never do that. Don't never say never. Be better for you just to say, Lord, if you do it, can we do it in private? <laughs> but then what kind of a testimony do you have? 
Pastor Duke used to preach a, a story about how that he went to a, 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 a not A.A. A. Allen, but uh, R.W. Schambach meeting in the early 80s, like 81, 82, something like that. And he said, here's old R.W. Schambach up there preaching. He said, every night this old red-headed feller got up and run around the building. Just a nut. He was a skinny, lanky guy, and he'd just start running, run around the building. Here he go. The next night, here he went. After the music starts, here he goes running. He ran around four or five laps. He'd just get up there and shout and just, you know. And the third night, he did it again. Pastor Duke was there, I believe, the fourth night. He said, oh, I hope that old red-headed feller don't get up and start running around the building. He's a nut. Flash. Come on now. Flash. ORW got up and said, well, there goes so-and-so again. He said, he came here Sunday night crippled, couldn't even walk in a wheelchair. He said, so before you mock him and before you start passing judgment, he said he couldn't walk. He'd been paralyzed for 15 years or something like that. And he said, God healed him, and he's been running around this building every night ever since. I'd be running too. I'd be running too. The man that was healed at the beautiful gate, he didn't even let, hold, let it go of John, and, you know, Peter and John, their hands. He's shouting with them. They wanted to stop shouting. He said, no. He said, I couldn't walk. Now I'm going to shout, and you're going to shout with me. I'm going to stir up you. I'm going to stir up the shout in you. I'm going to stir up something in you. People said, I didn't want to shout when I came here, but everybody else is, so I just got in the mix. the power of God promised land let them call us crazy let them call us strange or weird or out there I don't care because I sleep well at night I don't have to take pills to go to bed I don't have to take pills to calm my nerves in the day I don't have to take medication I serve a God amen who has liberated me and set me free praise God Oh, come on now. Oh, I'm preaching to you today. Too many believers are like the ten spies that carried the grape clusters but never got to enjoy them or enter into the possession. We must believe and act in faith in what God has promised. No more living beneath the power that God has promised us. Turn with me to Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. Almighty God, thank God. Oh, thank God. Somebody one time said, don't ever read the book of Acts and, and, and develop or, or, or try to, you know, draw doctrine from that. I said, that's why you send them out same way they came in. <laughs> in Acts chapter 12, verse 1. It says, now about the time Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church, and he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Tragic, but he died. And because he saw it please the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also, one of the greatest preachers post-Pentecost they're trying to kill. One of the greatest miracles they ever seen was them 120 come down out of that upper room and preach. Peter didn't even want to confess or say that he knew Jesus he denied him three times Jesus told him he'd deny him and he said when the when the rooster begins to crow he said you'll know you've denied me yep 
And then he cussed. Amen. You know, one thing if it slips out every once in a while. But if it's your normal vernacular. <laughs> I had a woman one time I took to the jail. I didn't really know what was going to happen, but I vet everybody now. I make sure I vet everybody. I want to be around you for a little bit before you come and be in ministry with me. You know, used to be anybody that had a pulse, I'd take you with me. No, you need not only a pulse, but the Holy Ghost. Got up in front of them and said, all right, all you men said, need to get your D.A.M. life together and get the H out of here. I thought, wow, that's not the gospel. I said, all right, sis, sit on down. Let me take it from here. Look, I'm just telling you, people are watching our life. They're watching our life. But he says in Acts chapter 12, Herod set out to, 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 and he put to death James, and he saw that it excited the Jews, and they were happy. And so he said, I'm going to take Peter out too, but I'm going to wait, uh, you know, till after the Passover, and, uh, or the, the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him into prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending till after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And before the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison, he smote Peter on the side, said, raised him up, and said, Arise up quickly, and his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself, bind on your sandals. And so he did, and he said unto him, Cast thy garment about thee, and follow me. And he went out and followed him, and wist not that it was true which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. And when they were past the first and the second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leads unto the city, that opened to them of his own accord, its own accord, and they went out and passed on through one street, and forth with the angel departed from him. And Peter was come to himself and said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord has sent an angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from the expectation of the people of the Jews. Prayer is a spiritual grace that will give you rest. You can have a lot of trouble on your hands, but there is a prayer of faith that will bring you out of a wilderness and into the promised land. If you read verses 6 and 7, Peter's in prison, he's bound in chains. And between two soldiers, with two soldiers keeping watch. So he had four guards over him, and probably the best of the best. <laughs> Apparently the best hell could do. He said, we, we, we don't need, this. he ain't Jesus, we don't need but four. But apparently that, that was the best hell could do. But after all, he's not Jesus, but Peter. Hell forgot what a Holy Ghost man can do. Or what a Holy Ghost filled church can pray and see happen. Seemed impossible to the natural. A lot of people would say, well, I'm in prison. I don't know what my plight's going to be. Well, 
Some people, that may be their case, but I can tell you when somebody prays, things change. The church began to pray. It seemed impossible to the natural, but remember, the resurrection wasn't just an event. It was and is the power of God working in us and for us by faith. When people get delivered and they, or they uh, get delivered from a stronghold or something from their past or whatever, and they get saved, it's a resurrection life come in them. They're like, I'm different. Something's changed in me. Peter had to stand up, step out, and start moving. Faith is mixed with the promise. Can you imagine if Peter had just been sitting there and, 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 and said, you know, this is an interesting insight. This is interesting that I'm sitting here and this angel has come in and shed this light upon this dark situation. If he had not moved in faith, even though his chains were off and the door was opened, he would have remained in that jail. When I laid in that hospital bed, cracked my head in two places and blood draining in my brain. And I laid in that bed and the Spirit of God spoke to me. You know, you know, as I laid there, the Lord's just leading me in this direction. As I laid there in that hospital bed, and people came across my path. You know, I can honestly say, I think Brother Gilbert, because he worked with hospitals, and Patty, they had some of the best bedside manner. They just came in like no big deal. They were in there, hey, how you doing, Pastor? Just talking to me like normal. I appreciated that. But the people that came in and went, <gasps> I was like, <sighs> you know, people walked in and they just went, <gasps> Pastor. I'm like, oh, please leave. <laughs> my head's swollen out to here. I'm bleeding on my brain. They've told my wife I may not make it through the night. And you're coming in gasping for breath. Please, I got more faith than you do. And I need it right now. I need you to have faith. So, I, I, but as I laid there in that bed, seeing people come through there, and just, it's nothing but unbelief, 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 and just fear. And I, I laid there and I said, Lord, I know it's bad. But I don't even know how bad it really is. But if, if, if we're judging from the way these people are responding and their body language, it's bad. And I said, Lord, I'm asking you to heal me. I don't want my babies to be without a dad. I don't want that small flock to be without a pastor. I don't want my wife to be a widow. I've got life to live, God. And I've lived up to this point. In fact, I was working on the church when this accident happened. I'm asking you to heal me. And I said, Lord, if you'll heal me, I'm going to get up from here. I'm going to live in that promised land. I'm going to live in abundance. I'm going to live and I'm going to preach and I'm going to share. I'm going to shout. I'm going to pray. I'm going to continue to do worship. Go to the prisons. Go to the thorn field. I'll do whatever you've called me to do. And the Holy Ghost, by way of the Spirit of God, came into that room. It's like God just whew, came through that wall. And he began to speak to me in my spirit. Elena, just like he did you. Not audibly, but he said, everybody in that Bible that Jesus said, take up your bed and walk, was healed. You want to lay here? Let them cut on you. 
Let them give you all their prognosis, all their nonsense or whatever. Not nonsense, it's medical science, okay? But to me, it was just jargon. You can lay there and let them do their thing. But he said, if you want to be healed, son, get up. So I did. I did. I did. I didn't have a stitch of clothes on, but a, but a, not an apron, but a gown that didn't even cover me. I said, my goodness, you know, wrap that thing around me, try to cover everything I had, you know. <laughs> so and here I am. I grabbed that IV, and I just put my foot on the ground. and I mean, it just, the whole room was just spinning. I was like, whoo. God said, take another step. <laughs> whoo. <laughs> took another step. Took another step. Took another step. And then it just, it became something that was so simple and so easy. I'm not wobbling like on a bike anymore. I'm riding that thing and I'm going, you know what? I'm moving. There ain't no training wheels on this thing. I'm moving. And God began to heal me. Every step that I took, every step that I took, the swelling just began to go down, go down, go down, go down, go down. I walked around that hospital. I've got my ID. You know, because, oh, I hate needles, and here I'm holding on to that thing. We want to make sure we protect that wrist right there. But I got that thing, but I'm walking, you know, and those nurses, you know, they sit there and they write. You can never get their attention, ever. They looked up, and the lady goes, I said, I'm just walking. Just walking. You don't have a belt around you. I said, I need one, but hey, I'm walking, I'm walking, I'm walking, I'm walking. I'll never forget it. I'm walking, and I'm looking, and there's Becky, and there's everybody in the lobby, all the people from the church, and I'm looking, and they said, we want to see Pastor. She said, he's right there. Wave to him. I said, hey, hey, I'm walking, I'm walking. I walked all the way around that hospital, got back in my bed. And I sat down healed by the power of God because I mixed faith with the promise. God gave me a promise. Your body will be healed. Get up and walk. And I didn't sit there and say, well, maybe. I don't know. This sounds like a hopeful idea. No. I began to respond and step out in faith. And I stand here today healed by the power of God. Healed, healed. Fell on Monday night at 7, went home Thursday morning. Thursday at 3, I think. They didn't do nothing. I said, I got to get out of here. I'm going to starve to death. I said, I need food. My mom said, you're not eating. I said, I'm going to eat, mother. Have you looked at me? Do I look like I miss meals? I went from three meals to squares to six small, and now I'm up to six square. And I'm getting round. I can't live on these popsicles. I've got 15 popsicle wrappers there. I need some substance. I'm healed. I'm healed, mother. That little old neurologist, she was tall as Patty. She came in there. She just looked up at me. I'm way up here. She said, you know what? There's really nothing we can do for you anymore. 
I said, praise God. I'm going home. And I don't know who got the mind of God, but they got me some Kentucky Fried Chicken. And I was as happy as you could be. Healed with a good old chicken chicken leg in my hand. Amen. Here I am. Original recipe in case you're interested. And so, if Peter had not moved in faith, if he hadn't moved when his chains were off and the door was open, he'd have remained there in the jail. You have to act and mix faith with the promise. Oh my, how many people do not see? God has broken those chains, opened those doors of your prison. He has shed light upon your darkness. Even told you, drop that old prison garment. You need your shoes, but you don't need that prison guard. Come on! Leave that prison garment there. Because if you're wearing that out, you're going to be reminded of that. And you need to set that prison and your past. Forget those things that are behind you. Press toward the things that are before you. Too many people living in defeat. See, that would have ever been a reminder to the enemy. He already... I've already put you in prison once. I'll do it again. Well, I can tell you, the same God that delivered me before is the same God that will deliver me again. Someone today, I'm closing. Someone today, to, someone today to make it into your promised land is just from your seat to the altar is the distance to the promised land. I bet you didn't know it, but if you've ever studied your Bible, the children of Israel from coming out of Egypt past the Red Sea into the Promised Land were 11 days journey into Canaan land. But because the spies gave such a bad report, and, and I can tell you, it's harder to get people to believe the positive and the good you tell them something negative, I mean it just. They were 40 years in the wilderness when it could have taken them 11 days. So my question to you is, what on earth are you waiting for? King Agrippa said, Paul, you're a good preacher, man. You almost persuaded me become a Christian what on earth are you waiting for when Peter got to the door only Rhoda believed it was him who's there Peter Peter she didn't even open the door maybe she couldn't she comes over and she goes Peter's at the door oh quit your imagination it's an angel no it's him I'm telling you it's him why is it that God has given us a promise, but we're not willing to open the door of our heart for him to come in and us to experience it? What are you talking about, Pastor? There are people sitting in this room right now that God wants to heal your heart. He wants to bring a comfort and a healing to your heart but you will not let him.
It's right there, but you've got to let him. I'm going to tell you, I laid in that bed, and God said, you can lay here and stew on this, or you can plead my blood, bind the enemy, rebuke it, and roll over and be free. And I said, this is exactly what I'm going to do. Amen. We can sit there, we choose all of that quagmire rather than freedom in the promised land. Amen. Don't you want to be free? Don't you want to live liberated and free as a Christian? You've got to come. How far am I away from that promised land? Just to walk down this aisle. That's how far. Amen. Ooh, I feel the Spirit of God really telling me to say this. There are people here. There's a heart for God down deep within you that you care more about what other people think than even a relationship with God. But let me give you, I hope not your final notice and consideration or warning. One day, you were going to stand before God. And whoever it was around you that kept you from getting in is not going to be standing there beside you. You will be alone. And the decision that you made based upon what other people would think or say or feel about you or what you might have to shed and give up. <laughs> we want you to be a Christian. We just don't want you to be that serious. I'm going to tell you there's only one way to be. All in or not at all. Because even the Lord said, I'd rather you be hot or cold. I'll respect your coldness more than I will your lukewarmness. So let's be on fire. Let's serve God. Get in that promised land. Mix it with faith. What does that mean? Put some legs on your prayers. Put some legs on your desire. Come on now. God's talking to somebody today. Your promised land and rest and peace is in you accepting what God has already given. He's there at the door knocking. Your husband or wife is really trying to love you, but you don't believe it. It's just too good to be true. There's somebody in here that told me, you know, Pastor, I couldn't put my kids in L.A., in the art school last year, but I'm believing God for this year. And you know what? The person that told me that, as I was in prayer, God said, they're going to step out in faith, and I'm going to honor their decision. Because that school's a promised land compared to that public school. It's an environment of blessing and prayer. And he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to honor that in their life, their di- desire and request. Amen. Somebody called me the other day and said, I'm going in for an interview. Would you pray, Pastor? I want this job. I said, you know what? I'm believing God's going to give it to you. You're the head, not the tail. If we're going to come into that promised land, we're going to see the church expand and grow and just flourish. Amen. It's going to take people. Amen. They're going to help support that. And he's going to do it. Don't live beneath God's blessing of promise in every area of your life. Mix faith with that promise. What has he promised you? I can tell you, if you'll step out in faith, God will do it. If it's salvation, today's your day. If it's healing, today's your day. You're needing a miracle in your life or something that you need to change or a situation or a relationship. 
Maybe you need to surrender everything unto God today. We all do, but maybe specifically God's dealing with you. Today's your day. Today's your moment. Amen. I want my son Cameron to come, the worship team, the singers to come. We're going to do this song again. I am cleansed. And church, these altars are open.